0: How are you doing, my friend? It is Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. It's time for a self-improvement sit down. Today, we're diving in deep with someone I really look up to. And I look forward to continue learning from her for years to come. These conversations just light me up and I'm so excited to share. But if you're new to the podcast and looking to get more consistent and serious about prioritizing your self-growth, then welcome, you're in the right place. Every day we share a new two-minute impactful personal development tip that you can immediately incorporate in your routine and life if it serves you. But for most of you, welcome back and thank you so much for your support. I do wanna preface that today's conversation is dense. We talk about some topics that will challenge you and the way that you think, but please know that it comes from a place of helping us to understand the mechanics behind who we are as humans and what we can do about it. It's a really good one and let's get into it. This is self-improvement sit down number 26 with Dr. Sangeeta Sahi. And we are live. Today's guest has a special energetic quality to her. Her name is Dr. Sangita Sahi and Dr. Sahi is a medical doctor who combines her formal medical training with a host of dynamic and complementary therapy techniques in her practice of integrative medicine. She's traveled and learned from the highest spiritual masters the world has to offer, practicing modalities like Ayurveda, Kundalini Yoga, traditional Chinese medicine, and psycho-spiritual counseling. She's also incorporated learnings in biophysics and quantum physics to better understand how brainwaves affect memory and intuition and how psycho-neuro-endocrino-immunology and epigenetics contribute to our human experiences and illnesses. I can hardly even say half of those words, but that was just meant to show how fascinating Dr. Sahi is and how much we have to learn today. Sangeeta, thank you for taking the time to be with us and sharing your wisdom.
1: Brian, it's such a joy and pleasure. Your energy is fabulous. It's great. Thank you.
0: Yeah, well, well, we thank you because there's a lot that we have to learn, especially from your kind of diversified knowledge, you know, I just kind of scratched the, the surface there with everything that you've done and been through and learned and kind of who you are really. Um, and with that energetic connection, you know, we connected very immediately on that level. But yeah, so let's, let's jump into it. Um, you know, I mentioned you have a diversified knowledge base, and it pulls from so many disciplines. And you truly have a great understanding of what it means to be human in many different ways. Something that we've talked about briefly, and I want to explore it a little bit more because it's a really important concept, is the idea of perfection and you know how we all strive to be perfect. But in all your travels, I'm curious to know, have you ever discovered or experienced perfection or something close to perfection?
1: Uh, not even slightly. It's an incredible, <laughs> incredibly powerful ideology and philosophy and it's probably i think the most powerful carrot and we all need it for sure however it can also um self-sabotage us it can really limit Mm -hmm. us in our um in the expression of our potential because uh, this concept of perfection has been so, um, in a way, indoctrinated within the conditioning of cultures and educational systems globally that it takes away from the spontaneity and the natural creativity of really fully embracing being human. Hmm. For me, perfection has an element of mechanicalness attached to it because machines can function perfectly. Hmm. But human beings are, in essence, way beyond and far more sophisticated and complex than any machinery that we can imagine.
0: Could you elaborate on that? Because I mean, like, I understand that too, that kind of, you know, the body is imperfect and this life is imperfect and dynamic, but we do call the body as a machine and we expect to be able to add to the body, to be able to respond and produce in certain environments. But, you know, if, if perfection doesn't exist um, within our human bodies, uh, I'm curious to know kind of like in what ways is our body like a machine and then in which ways that you're referencing right now is our body far different and more complex than a machine?
1: Okay, so um, I don't look at the body. like When when I was studying medicine and obviously practicing mainstream um, allopathic Western-style medicine, that's what we were looking for. The body is a machine, mechanical system that operates in a certain way, and if it doesn't operate like that, well, you either have to cut it out or you have to make certain changes so that it operates more efficiently. However, when you add other parts, which are really what being human is about, the mind, Mm. the emotions, creativity, uh, innovation, uh, general principles of evolution, and the whole um, uh, process of adaptation to a changing environment, That's an incredibly complex system that we're talking about. And that system is uh, one of the reasons that I really, really was very interested in in going deeply into Ayurveda. Ayurveda is the most ancient um, treatises, works, Vedic teachings um, on medicine. And basically Ayurveda means the knowledge of life. So with the very, very old sages and the original physicians, um, this is from very ancient Indian times, B.C., um, they were looking at the body as a tool of the Mm. universe. It was not separate from the universe. So the body is very much connected up with the environment, with our thoughts, our beliefs, our conditionings, Our past, our ancestral inheritances uh, in terms of either disease states or imbalances um, genetically, as well as what we and our journey is in this lifetime and what our bodies and our minds and our genetic structure um, will be exposed to on an emotional, mental, and also completely um, external levels, situations, things that we're experiencing very tangibly now, and our bodies and our minds are having to constantly adapt to that, and the different systems that are changing. Now, the system changing is indicative of our Earth changing, our planet changing, and ourselves that inhabit this wonderful planet, also changing mm. and adapting to those changes so is that not com- complex and the most incredible thing is that in this hu- humongous complexity we're still alive how incredible and miraculous and magical is that
0: yeah no that's that's brilliant and like even acknowledging that the systems and the environments and the conditions around us are changing i think that made me think back to the original question of machines. Like when are machines operating at their fullest capacity? It's when the conditions are ideal and it's literally an input output and it's all predictable. And the human body is capable of operating like a machine, but the input is never the same twice. And that's why we need this kind of versatility and flexibility and, um, and almost like this necessary complexity to adapt to change. Just inherently based on what we're expected to do with our bodies. So, like seeing it as a machine and as a perfectly functioning machine limits our ability to be able to express what the true input is and to be able to produce something on the other side that's actually um, perfectly designed for what the intention was coming in. So, I think that I think that's a really interesting and and, and very comprehensive understanding of how the body operates because. You know, like there, there is no such thing as perfection in our world with our bodies because we're never going to see the same thing twice. So perfect cannot exist, you know, because it's always changing and you can never produce perfect. And and I guess that's where I want to extend into is if we can't be perfect, and I know that you mentioned that perfection is a great carrot to to kind of put in front of us, but if we can't be perfect, then what as humans should we strive for? Is there an ultimate objective or Kind of transition or maybe transformation that we should be seeking uh, to optimize our bodies and, and our our path
1: okay so I before I um, before I answer that, I want to just go back to what you've just said about um, optimization and um, sure. efficiency. I will tell you I've been working with a lot of clients during this period, and many of them are experiencing myself included um, going back to memories of maybe childhood or maybe ten years ago or maybe even a year ago re- those memories being opened up revisited but our responses are very different emotionally and mentally most most of, for most of us, than they were when we were children, than they were 10 years ago, than they were even last year. Which means that the body is designed, our bodies and minds are designed inherently to update themselves. Hmm. And this is very important because what we're really talking about is a system upgrade. The human body is a system, but it's also connected up with other levels of a bigger system. Now, as those changes come about in the bigger system, our body is designed automatically to upgrade itself. And the first point of contact of that upgrade is actually the immune system, which is Mm. why something like Corona or COVID-19, or because I've worked with a lot of people with cancer and immune system problems in my life. And things like viruses, their first point of contact is the human immune system. And depending on how the human immune system of each individual reacts or responds, will actually determine the progress of the virus and the relationship between the virus and the individual's own operating system.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's very very interesting. And, and as I'm kind of reflecting on <laughs> high school and college biology, kind of my understanding of the immune system is that like, our immune system is designed to mutate so that we randomly generate antibodies that could potentially counteract any pathogen or intruder. So the very nature of it being prepared to update and always looking for that next level and kind of being proactive about the different things it could experience, that's the reason why our bodies are even capable of fighting off this pandemic that we're experiencing. And it all comes back to that original intention of what is the objective of the body? And it's to be able to get you to survive through all conditions, despite expectations without prediction of what's going to happen because that that's the world that we live in and that's what we have to respond to so that that's a, a really great way of bringing that all back together thank you
1: well also Brian, I think it's a little bit more than just survival I think um, well the immune system is also like a library it's a database of information which is held in there and they are um, um, scientists and doctors are uh, discussing that people in countries where, um, children are vaccinated with BCG vaccinations um, at, at, in, in their childhood are actually their immune systems are better um, able to cope up with the COVID-19 than in mm. countries where um, children have not been vaccinated with BCG. Um, so there's obviously some sort of uh, correlation and data that is common maybe to the COVID-19 and to the antibodies that uh, produce BCG. Um, Mm. So the point here is actually it's about thriving. And like I said, upgrading. This is adaptation and thriving mode, not survival anymore. Mm. It's not just about surviving. When you upgrade a system, the system becomes more complex, more sophisticated. It's like your computers, your iOS. It can work on the the type of information that can be processed and how long and how uh, quickly information can be processed with different operating systems. It gets faster and faster. And that is very, very much connected in with what our planet Earth is also experiencing, being part of a universal system, being part of our solar system. Which, to my mind, also probably means that all the other planets in our solar system are also going through similar upgrades. They're just probably processing it in a different way, and these are the influences that we are getting with ours. Because as much as we are communities living on the planet, our planet is also a community within its own solar system which is a community as well Hmm. of planets, you know? So it all kind of, uh, you know, macrocosm to microcosm. It's all a reflection.
0: Wow. And it's all connected and it's all one. And, And I think that's something I've thought about, but obviously not to the level that you have is the idea of replication at kind of different levels of consciousness and kind of different universal levels in itself. Kind of how what we're doing on a molecular level is similar to how communities operate you know, within our local community, which is similar to how nations operate, which is similar to how our world operates, which is similar to how our solar system operates. And like it's a consistent model that's just being duplicated um, and, and growing in magnitude um, as we kind of start to go up this kind of cosmic scale. And it's important to recognize that something that's impacting us on a certain level is probably, you know, has its complementary shift on other levels. And, you know, that's an opportunity that we can kind of leverage. And, and that's actually a perfect transition into um, kind of what I want to talk about next, too, which is this quality of being present. So, like, how can we even observe that this is happening? Kind of this shift is happening. It, it kind of involves tuning out everything else, right? Um, and, and that's kind of that's what being present and, and mindfulness can kind of do. Exactly. And, and I'd love for you to just kind of share. And I mean, based on your spiritual learnings and teachings and experiences, you know, I, I feel like you have a great understanding of this. Um, and I'm curious to kind of learn about like, what, what does being truly present mean today? You know, because it changes. Again, we're talking about the changing world, but today, like, what does it mean to be present? And even with reference to the coronavirus situation, you know, like, what can we do to be present?
1: Well, for me, as soon as um, lockdown was declared on a sort of country-to-country and global level, to me it was like being cocooned up and really separated from everything that people are familiar with, especially routine and especially, you know, this unconscious living, you know, just mechanical, get up in the morning, do what you have to do, and it's like a completely non-thinking, unconscious, routine existence. So you take that away, and immediately you just interfere with it. And people are under lockdown in their own houses, some alone, and some obviously either with uh, different members of the family. And they get to experience their thoughts, their normal unconscious thoughts automatically being interrupted. Hmm. Because suddenly, without consciously deciding, they have been put in a new environment. Just like, you know, we experiment with mice in the laboratories. That's what I feel. Like suddenly, some higher force, the corona, COVID, whatever, just switched off. (laughs) And said, okay, we're going to put you in these little labs in your own houses and in your own environments, in your own specific environments, and just see and watch. What are you going to do? <laughs> and really, I mean, that's, what, that's how I saw it. And then I realized, what is it to be present? What is it actually? So much is written about. So much is talked about. Right from, you know the beginning of writing about um, being present, being in the now moment, what does it actually mean? Well, technically, it means really switching off all thoughts and completely quietening and stilling your mind. Because the mind is just like this kind of um, this processing machine that just constantly processes whatever it's exposed to. But it's just a processing machine. There's something much, much more powerful than our minds that is actually running the show. Hmm. And it allows that point of self to come in and actually observe what the mind is doing, like you're watching a machine, and to be able to um, then supervise that machine into, you know, finding out what buttons do you press to make a positive thought come up? What buttons do you press to make a negative thought come up? What buttons do you press to feel happy? What buttons do you press to feel sad? What buttons do you press to feel depressed? What buttons do you press to feel all these different things? It's like, really like a, a, a keyboard. hmm And it allows us that time and space without actually the same old unconscious responsibilities and obligations to step back and have the opportunity. Because when you get into the now is when you really, really understand how full and how powerful and influence time is. We cannot control time. That's the one thing that we cannot control.
0: Well, that's really interesting. It's It's taken me a few different areas and things I want to explore, but kind of the first thing I thought about is, you know, kind of the complement to that, you know, something that we can't control is time and something that we don't necessarily always have the time or attention to acknowledge is kind of a universal energy. And that's kind of what but drowning out the chaos around us and being able to silence the mind that opens up our awareness to some of these universal energies that are influencing us potentially. And like you're saying, like maybe there's some larger universal energy that's sending us a sign being like, Hey humans in our little experiment, how do you respond? And that's kind of like really pulling us into this new conscious space rather than being unconscious. Or alternatively, this actually I thought I had on my run this morning was kind of like the natural energies that, that are kind of, uh, influencing our life right now, like it's it's very possible that the unit, like a universal energy, is interfering on a, a certain level because you know humans are taking the planet off such a course that you know something is coming in to uproot our unconscious behavior because it's not sustainable to bring us back to consciousness so that we can actually move forward in a sustainable way. So it could be like a defensive reaction by universal energies, you know, of course, exhibiting in a way that we don't understand consciously as humans because we're not designed to but then by being present we actually have more of a faith and surrender in some of these things that are happening around us that they're actually for the best versus just something that is inconveniencing or inhibiting our lives do you think that's too far of a stretch that i made or do you think that there's some kind of universal energetic quality that's involved in the situation
1: oh i i know there is there's no there's no doubt about that um the other thing that i think that people don't click immediately is that as much as we've got an immune system remember our planet also has its own immune system (laughs) so if our planet is being exposed to the unknown unknown energies unknown influences that um, she hasn't been exposed to before then she's uh, her she's also going to react Mm -hmm. her own immune system is going to react and that's obviously going to have a knock-on ef- effect on, on our humanity and our immune systems. And that's something that I think is huge as um, an understanding or as a, as a conscious recognition that we, whatever happens to her, our planet, happens to us. Right. So whatever we do to her, is what we will experience as groups, communities, countries, nations.
0: Yeah, and it reminds me of what we were talking about earlier about kind of the universal levels that exist as you step up from the molecular to the cellular to the individual, you know, and as we're going up, you know, again, it's the same model that's happening. And as we see our immune system responding to certain um, you know, the coronavirus and certain inputs that it's experiencing. we need to acknowledge that the world also has its own checks and balances systems that operates in the same way self preservation and ability to be dynamic and to endure and again, like I think being present is like is our way to understanding that so now i think I think we tapped into something very interesting and kind of brought this thought to a you know a consciousness that we can now kind of begin to think through a little bit further at least for myself you know i'm sure you've been there but you know for myself to think through a little bit further kind of what this environment truly means um and and what that means for the future of not only our personal survival but our um our this is the survival of our species as well as the survival of our planet so I, I think there's a like a really interesting understanding that can be drawn out of that but i do want to make this about people uh, again <laughs> Um, And kind of, you know, what I didn't mention in your bio is that you also have your MBA, you know, on top of everything else, you also have your MBA. And, and something that I think as people are making the shift into being more conscious and aware of some of these universal energies and the things that they're susceptible to, given the current environment, you know, we need to be able to adapt and evolve and change in a business and personal operation setting, you know, to be able to respond most effectively to the current environment so i i'd love to kind of hear what you have to say about kind of the state of like you know capitalism and businesses and and kind of how we can set business expectations and you know how do you think this kind of relates to this transition or transformation that we're experiencing Um, kind of more from that that mba side of your brain rather than the medical doctor and spiritual side of your brain
1: Okay, so I've thought about this a lot, and I've worked with a lot of CEOs and people of influence um, in a kind of psycho-spiritual way, but also in a practical, uh, daily way of projects and teams and organizations and structure, etc. And the one thing that I think is probably coming up the most, which a lot of the CEOs that I've worked with anyway, already are Understanding, but maybe just don't know how to apply in their organizational structures, is this concept of humanizing corporate work or humanizing work in general. And part of humanizing something means that we have to go beyond just the survival. So we have to already have whatever systems in place. I am not somebody that's an expert in economics. I just know the changes, I watch the patterns, and I can extrapolate from the patterns of what's coming. And it's almost 99% accurate, as a lot of my clients and patients will tell you. However, we do have to have, which lots of people now are talking about, not just me, a more equalized and balanced economy in terms of money and people feeling and having everything that they require to survive because survival is very basic, it's not terribly sophisticated and being able to eat healthily, being able to um, live uh, comfortably with things that you need are not, um, they're, they're, they're kind of human rights they're not something special or extraordinary, which is how the old system has made them out to be. That, oh my God, if you work hard enough and you do this and you tick all the boxes, then you have the opportunity, not even the guarantee, but the opportunity to go ahead. And if you don't, well, you just lost the race. <laughs> Never mind, try again next time. Mm-hmm. That mentality is going to completely disappear. Because those systems can't exist anymore. That type of thinking cannot exist anymore. Now it's going to be about how can we actually support everybody together. We may not know these people personally, but they exist on our planet, so they become part of our um, greater communities. Even though the race may be different, their cultures may be different, their languages may be different. But I think it's been very, very clearly now. It's clear that whether you live in China, whether you live in America, that you're all connected. We're all connected. Yeah. So if we're all connected through all these trades and exchange of goods and exchange of uh, information and social media, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, That means that we have to start learning to actually work together and to collaborate. And I think this whole next 20 years at least is going to be about finding and applying how we can collaborate to a point where it's peaceful and respectful. And it's a win win for everybody involved, not just for some and not for others, because it's not going to work otherwise. And I think that. Finding that is going to be the real crux of managing change. Wow. And that's what I've been doing with the human body and with businesses and organizations for years now, since I finished my MBA. And it's one of the things that I actually really enjoy because you see the results very, very quickly. People know it. See, that's the one thing I do want to say. Everything that we're talking about now, Brian or many other people are talking about. It's already within us. We're born with it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be alive right now. All we have to do is just start applying it. That's living in the present. That's what I consider is the present is actually doing without thinking. So that you're being and doing together. It's not one or the other.
0: Yeah. That's that's beautiful. And gosh, that's that's super interesting because as you're talking about like applying what we have inside of us. Like I firmly believe that. Like we are capable of so much as individuals and as communities and as a world like to accomplish so much and to be able to cover everyone's baseline needs. I firmly believe that's possible. But I think the second part to applying it is getting people to wake up to it and to be aware of it that it's even within us and it's a capability and a possibility. And going back to what you're talking about earlier about kind of how this coronavirus uh, situation is making the unconscious way that we were behaving more conscious and almost this interruption in our in our daily life like that is our wake up call to being like oh wow the way we were operating was not sustainable and this is our big wake up call on a mass level that we cannot continue doing it and of course it took you know it took the face of our public health but i think people now that they're in more of this conscious space and kind of reestablishing their habits Now we have this huge opportunity to rewrite the script in a positive way. And that's something that you and I are both really passionate about, um, you know, and kind of being a part of rewriting that script. And it ties in perfectly to this idea of conscious leadership. I actually had an individual named Eric Kaufman. He's based in San Diego. He's in the conscious leadership space. And conscious leadership is about the three P's. It's people, planet, and profit. And businesses can operate by optimizing around all three of those pillars and that's exactly what you're talking about is making this unconscious way of operating that isn't sustainable and isn't contributing to other people. Let's rewrite that into a way where we actually account for other people in this world that need our help, that we are designing our processes so that we can redistribute wealth and we can actually provide for baseline needs. And, and this is our opportunity perhaps to start considering it because things are, things are changed. You know, Things are forever changed based on this environment. Now, how do we proceed with it? And coming, you know, coming through with some of these priorities um, is a huge opportunity for us to really take advantage of of this. And the only reason you can tap into that opportunity is by being present and identifying that the shift is possible. So, I mean, that was like every single topic we just talked about all in one thought. So, I I I really respect and appreciate how you've been able to. Like really thoroughly think this through. You know, this isn't whimsical. Like you've really thought through the kind of the dynamics involved on a, like a personal Im- immunity side to a business side to the operations of our world and even the operations of our solar system. Um, it, it's really fascinating how it does tie together and just goes to show um, your experience. And and I'd love to ask one last thing. Um, and maybe we already kind of covered it, but to expand on it. You know, if there's one core takeaway from the the concepts we covered today you know, if there's one thing that you really want people to understand or leave with and share kind of what is that core thought that is most urgent, you know, given the current circumstances?
1: Okay, I'll tell you, there is one thing. And I think people have to really go deep within themselves to embrace it. But there isn't a choice. Hmm. Um, It's not an option. We as humanity are not going to evolve and leave the less evolved behind there's not going to be like the supreme superpowers that evolve really really quickly whereas the poor people that may not have the same education or the same opportunities get left behind that's not going to happen hmm. so if we as a real race of beings of humanity, really want to evolve we're going to have to help the others that are not given the same opportunities and options to evolve as well and only then are we going to evolve collectively most people do not know this or they don't take it seriously no one's going to get left behind in this evolutionary process so we better we better start helping and supporting each other
0: that's that's incredible, and that's that's something I've never heard before. And that totally speaks to me. come um, you know, kind of, my inspiration comes from you know bridging the opportunity gap, and you know, letting other people, um, you know, have the opportunity that they might not have inherited from the lottery of luck, um, and kind of where they were born, um, and and how, like, an evolution too is something that I think is is super fascinating. Um, Sangeeta, this has been an incredible conversation. I really appreciate your, your time, energy and attention. And I look forward to seeing your next steps. And, you know, the, like you said, kind of the transformation and progress. I like seeing you being at the forefront of it um, and, and bringing that toward this world. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you all for your time and your, your very valuable attention.
0: Wow. I'm still processing this one. The topics we covered seem to be tied together in such an elegant way, all coming back to our new reality and how today's world, COVID included, is waking us up to our reality. We started off talking about perfection and how perfection will never be attainable because it's a faulty design. Our bodies are inherently imperfect to accommodate for the varied and changing demands it's meant to respond to. We talked about being present and how our previous unconscious way of thinking, is being called out and we have a real opportunity to rewrite scripts and establish new habits. And then we talked about our humanity and how closely we're all connected. We've always known this. It's written in ancient scripts, but we've lost sight of it. And Dr. Sahi is on the cutting edge of reintroducing people to what exists within them and teaching them how to apply it in a way that is cooperative and collaborative with others. Dr. Sahi has a special knowledge base, and if anything in this stood out to you, I suggest you reach out to her. That's what I did, and I am changed. You can visit her website, www.genuinehumanbeing.com, to find ways to work with her and through her. That's it for today. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to rate and review it. And come back. I don't know much, but I do know the lessons will keep coming. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time